0: We'll mm-hmm. go kevin <laughs> kevin are you excited are you excited the long night is over season 8 is here mm-hmm. we are in it
1: oh i i'm i'm excited look at these nipples look oh, at these nipples
0: come on nipples. man come on man <laughs> I know you're not as big a Game of Thrones fan as me, but I, you're, I'm forcing you to watch this season with me so I can get the I can get the reaction of the more casual fan. Yep, but yeah. um, but man, have I been doing backflips in my head, excited about season eight finally starting, and here it is, and we have a whole episode uh, in the can, and I'm ready to discuss it,
1: All detail right.
0: by detail. How about you?
1: Yeah, um, I'm I'm ready to discuss it, not detail by detail, because there's a lot of details that I didn't know how to detail. So, um, <laughs> okay, but uh, that okay, being, so, that being boom, said, boom. Um, the episode was all right. I was entertained. I wasn't bored. <laughs> so,
0: well, I mean, I kind of feel the same way. And actually, I think our reactions are probably going to be pretty similar in that respect. All right. Um, um so but um just, just so people understand before we before we get into this too much, like how how up on Game of Thrones are you? Like how much have you actually followed with and uh how familiar are you with?
1: Okay, so I did give Game of Thrones a chance. Um I wanna say over a year ago, I started watching it and um I got basically the first season and like the first two to three episodes of season two. So that being said, I missed about, was this is what, the eighth season or ninth? Season eight. Season eight. So, uh, yeah, I pretty much am seven seasons behind.
0: Okay. (laughs) And me personally, people know if you've been listening, I'm a hardcore Game of Thrones fan. Absolutely. I'm a book book fan. I'm a nerd for this stuff. And I spend my time uh, almost equally divided between my Star Wars fandom and my Game of Thrones fandom uh personally game of thrones has had the edge for me lately um because it's more of a grown-up um narrative uh and that's what i'm looking for from star wars eventually i talk about that a lot but right now we are in game of thrones land Yeah, yeah so let's get right into it season eight episode one entitled winterfell uh this episode first of all uh, what i want to talk about is the new opening uh the show uh has a new opening credit sequence i don't know if you if you realize what you were watching was new there well but, it's uh, funny
1: because uh it did seem a little different but again i haven't seen it and i didn't see the other seven seasons so <laughs> i it was kind of hard to you know I me mean? and it's been over yep. a year since i watched it as well so yep. but yeah so it basically- did look a little a little bit new yes
0: Right. So basically every season they've, they've updated the opening, uh, the opening, uh, credits, uh, sequence a little bit to just, uh, just focus on whatever area of the map of Westeros we are in that episode. (laughs) Um, this was the most major update yet. It was a completely new opening sequence. And it began with a pretty exciting uh, depiction of the wall, which we haven't seen uh, in, in such detail before. This is the most detailed opening sequence we've had for sure. Uh, and it opens with the, the wall um, and it shows you uh, the break in the wall which uh, occurred at the end of last season. Um, And it shows blue tiles spreading from the hole in the wall down through Westeros and down to the last hearth, uh, which is actually where the, uh, the dead reach in this episode. So it looks like if they're going to keep this up for every episode, we're going to see those blue tiles spread to the next uh, part of Westeros, wherever they reach in that episode, which I think is, is super cool.
1: Okay.
0: Um, you know, Game of Thrones opening sequence is probably like the coolest opening sequence out there uh, in television. Uh, the theme song, people love it. I remember when I, I, I saw a couple episodes in, a, in the movie theater a few years back, which was the most fun experience I've ever had in a movie theater. Because okay. uh, uh, Game of Thrones fans just came in cosplay and, and when the theme song played, the whole audience sang along with it together.
1: Nice. Um, Similar to what uh, the theme song of this episode was like,
0: basically, basically, yeah, yeah. Right. But, but that was kind of inspired by that. All right, um, cool. Uh, so people love this this opening sequence and uh, the new upgrade. It, the new update is is super cool. Uh, beyond that, the blue tiles. It also goes down into Winterfell. It goes down into the crypts of Winterfell. Shows them in great detail, and then it goes down to King's Landing, and it goes down to the. Uh, the lower chambers of King's Landing, where they have the big dragon skull down there, and they show that in great detail too. It, it's a it's it's a super cool update to the opening sequence. Um, happy to see that it's a, it's a nice little bow on top of the present of season eight, which we've been waiting so long nice. for. But let's get into it. So, season eight, episode one, uh, ha- heavily mirrors uh, the the series premiere, it's, uh, uh, season one, episode one. Uh, of Game of Thrones, this opening sequence where we have Jon Snow and Daenerys and all of their armies arriving at Winterfell, um, and the and and the welcoming uh, ceremony basically that's mm-hmm. happening at Winterfell with Sansa and Arya and everybody at Winterfell greeting uh, them. This this basically exactly mirrors the first scene in the first episode of Game of Thrones where uh, where King Robert and Cersei is is arriving at Winterfell. To to uh, you know set the whole thing off to uh, basically uh, Robert's there to ask Ned to come back to King's Landing and be his hand and the beginning of the whole series. So we get a lot of parallels. Um, uh, instead of instead of little little uh, Bran running and climbing so we can get a better view of the king approaching, we get just some anonymous little boy uh, who's about the same age as Bran was in season one episode one, who's running and climbing up trees to try to get a better look. Um, And, uh, it's a, it's a big sweeping scene. Uh, they depict like 20,000 troops marching. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's epic. It's grand. And, um, and we get a lot of, uh, interplay with our, with our, some of our favorite characters. We see Arya Stark, uh, watching everybody arrive. We see her reaction on her face when she sees Jon Snow for the first time, um, since they were separated when she was a child in season one. Um, we also see her react to seeing the hound alive again, to seeing Gendry alive again. Um, uh, uh, and again, um, a lot of these scenes where we're just watching Aria react to things mm. really, really feel like callbacks to season one again. Um, because Arya was, was used as a point of view character to just witness the events of a lot of what happened in season one. And, um, you know, very quickly in season two, she became like a main character in in the middle of the action rather than just somebody who was reacting to everything. So it was it was kind of a throwback to feel Arya, it was kind of felt felt like definitely reminiscent of earlier seasons, just to see Arya just standing there with eyes wide reacting to things happening again. Um uh, but this opening sequence I thought was was pretty great. Uh it was it was epic, it took its time. It's everything kind of slowed down in this episode, uh, which is which is one thing that really hit me. Um, we only have six episodes in season eight to finish up everything.
1: And only uh, I believe it's like what three of them are under an hour and then the other ones are like basically motion. That's right. right.
0: That's uh-huh. right. The The first three episodes are 60 minutes or, or slightly under. And then the final four episodes are all around 80 minutes long. Right. Uh, so. You know, we, we've spent the last two years just, um, you know, theorizing and trying to figure out what the plot is going to be and how they're going to get everything into these six episodes. And, you know, my expectation this whole time has been that we are going to just be hammered with these episodes. Like, like just plot after plot after plot, after, like like event after event after event after event, just a constant barrage of just fast-moving stuff happening like oh my god i can't believe what i'm seeing i can't believe what i'm seeing right. in rapid in rapid succession and we really did not get this in that episode we really got a uh a, a record scratch like slow right back at the f down that's right and and just remind us of the pace of season one when we just took our time just like getting to know people and just you know Watching people's facial reactions instead of, instead of being in the middle of hard dialogue all the time or hard action all the time, right. um, and uh, you know I like this. It, it, it's it's a nice uh, reminder uh, of what the show used to feel like. But at the same time, um, I am so amped up for this season and what we have to get done that I felt like a little bit like through the whole episode I was kind of like, okay, let's go. Okay, let's go. Okay, let's go. Mm. <sighs> um but um uh, at this point um uh what were your reactions to this this first 5 minutes here uh was there anything happening here that that stuck out to you as as strange or curious or confusing okay, so <laughs> um i'm trying i'm
1: i'm i'm thinking uh, i'm thinking about the episode i'm trying to remember exactly like what you're talking about um okay the part where um where I forget her name. Arya.
0: The be- Arya Stark. Yeah, the Arya little Stark, the little girl, the little Stark girl. Yeah.
1: Um, was that the part where she asked for the new weapon? Whereabouts in the show was that?
0: That that's like later on, like near the middle okay. of the episode. All right.
1: For some reason, I was thinking that was near the beginning.
0: Okay. No, um, the the, the, be- the beginning is what I'm what I'm talking about. Is just we're just watching the tens of thousands of armies just just marching towards Winterfell, right? And and everybody's just watching them show up and react. Um. Uh, we got a little bit of uh, of humor. The first spoken lines are between Varus and and Tyrion, and uh, much, like Sir- much like season one, uh, Tyrion dialogue. He's making fun of Varus for not having balls for being a eunuch. Um, okay. And, the, and there's a, and there's a line Varys says to Tyrion, uh, "How come you how come you have such a problem with people making short jokes, but you have no problem with making eunuch jokes?" And uh, Tyrion's response is because i have balls and you don't.
1: Um okay, see that we, joke we, went over my head.
0: That, that that's a funny Tyrion line yeah. and and back in season 1 that's like exactly the way Tyrion would talk like every other line.
1: Okay. Um being paid and, with Dinklage, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so i
1: i did i did giggle at that line but i was thinking when they said balls i didn't know he figuratively meant he actually had no balls. I thought like right. balls is in like Bravery.
0: <laughs> no, there are there are many so, characters. There are many characters in Game of Thrones who have been castrated. castrated? Okay, yes, castration is a very common thing in Game of Thrones. Right. varus is castrated. Uh, later on, we'll talk about Grey Worm. He's also castrated. The entire Unsullied army—those twenty thousand soldiers that are marching towards uh, Winterfell in the mm, beginning of the episode—they're yep. all castrated. None of mm-hmm. them have balls. So right. T- Tyrion is Tyrion is proud. Uh, of being a part of the class of people who don't have to be castrated. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, uh, so it's it's a funny Tyrion joke, but yeah. uh, but again, it's very season one, and I've, I I feel like, okay, um, that was cute, but George Martin didn't write that joke. You know, Benioff and Weiss wrote that for this episode, and they, it's just to try to feel familiar, and I'm just a, like, aware of what's happening, and I just want more plot and less callbacks but that's just me at this point anyway um so uh from there uh another thing that i I noticed about this was that um there's uh, a severe lack of ghost uh john snow's direwolf did not appear in this episode where is he he should have been at winterfell waiting for john to return but he's not and i think as game of thrones fans we all know the reason for this that ghost is too expensive to digitally put on the screen um it's uh, typically up until now we do not get very much ghost, especially if there's an episode that has dragons in it, because it seems like the CGI budget or the CGI team doesn't have the time or the resources to do too much for one episode. So if we're going to get dragons, we're not going to get dire wolves. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if we're going to get giants and woolly mammoths, we're not going to get dragons. And it, it seems like we've only ever gotten like one big exciting CGI element um, in a, in an episode like this in the past, and I was hoping that in season eight the rules were going to be different, but I was wrong, and that was disappointing. So we got a whole, we got a whole episode, and I hope we don't get another whole episode without any direwolves in it. Um, and and that was really disappointing to me because I, as a as a book fan, like the direwolves are just as important as the dragons, and the fact that they're not in the show very much, uh, just because they're more expensive or more difficult, uh, is really a problem for me. Um. This, this TV series is supposed to be the pinnacle of, of achievement for, um, a, for, for production, for what we can do. Um, so, I want to see anything that we can see on the film on the screen here. And um, the fact that we don't get that sometimes um, is a bummer to me. Right. So... No ghosts. Uh, you probably didn't notice that.
1: <laughs> no. Oh, no. oh but, no. But
0: I definitely did. Okay, okay. Uh, so back in Winterfell, um, everybody gets together and has a meeting because uh, soon after the greetings, uh, Bran Stark uh, cuts everything short and says, look, uh, the dead have broken through the wall. They have one of your dragons, Daenerys. They're coming for us. We don't have time for this. So we cut to uh, their their meet. They're like in the... The uh, the audience chamber. I'm, I'm not sure the proper word for the, the great hall in Winterfell, where they where they conduct all their business. Okay. And we we immediately learn that the Northern lords are all upset with Jon Snow for marrying Daenerys, giving up his title as King of the North. Gosh. He, he, he has to convince them, look, we need her. We won't defeat the Night King without her and her dragons. Uh, my, my title wasn't as important to me as, as saving all of you. You should appreciate that. Everybody's like, hmm, okay, we don't trust it, but whatever. <laughs> uh, everybody in Winterfell is kind of really bitchy to Daenerys, uh, Sansa and Arya. Um, uh, very catty, very, very... They see her as a threat to their family, Um and they have good reason to because Daenerys's family in the past has been uh, uh, very, very evil to her family. Okay. And um, and they've been through a lot together, so they don't trust her yet. And that's probably to be expected. There's a, there's a funny line where, where Sansa's uh, complaining, you brought all these armies here and how are we going to feed them? How are we going to feed two dragons? What do dragons eat anyway? Right. And, and Daenerys has an awesome clap back. She just throws her a side eye and says, whatever they want. Yeah. <laughs> uh and the look in her face seems to say including you so watch it uh, also in this scene we get something that comes back later in the episode uh, uh sansa and john tell little lord umber um from the last hearth to to quickly return home to the last hearth gather all of the people who are still there and bring them to winterfell for protection because the last hearth is the first um, the first stronghold between the wall and the rest of Westeros. So the dead's army is going to reach there first mm-hmm. uh, Lord, uh, little Lord number. He's like 10 years old. He's the Lord of the last stronghold. Um, he's uh, in charge. So they're sending him back to gather all those people, people and evacuate yeah. them to Winterfell. Um, they established that early in the episode. And they also, they also established that they are calling the brothers of the night's watch from the wall. They're saying, forget the wall. It doesn't matter. Now it's fallen. Now everybody back to Winterfell. This is now our last line of defense. So we get that underway in this episode. Um, and, uh, we, we don't really get much further than that. As far as, um, as far as preparations, uh, for the battle are, are concerned. Okay. Uh, we do talk about the building of the weapons. Um, so uh sorry i'm not losing my place in my notes here uh okay so then we have a nice scene where Jon snow and Arya finally reunite in the godswood right. um and this is something that we've been looking forward to for a long time book fans been looking forward to this for like 20 years now um in, in the book john and Arya are not close to being reunited um but we all dreamt of this day we all imagined how it would go for me it was a good scene for me it went pretty much how i thought it would you know um Of course, there was immediately the discussion of Needle because the last time they saw each other, John gave Arya her sword, Needle, and she carried that with her throughout her journeys, throughout her training, throughout her trials and tribulations. That Needle was always with her. It was always a reminder of her family's love. Um, When she was training in Braavos uh, with the the Faceless Men, they tried to make her get rid of Needle, throw it away, but she refused. She secretly held on to it. Um, which was indicating to us that she was secretly holding on to her humanity, her connection with her family. Um, so, so, yes, immediately, uh, John looks down at Needle and says, you still have it? And she's like, yeah. Um, and then um, what was funny to me was that John, in a kind of an uncharacteristic moment, I thought, kind of a moment that really we couldn't have had until he reunited with his long-lost siblings – Uh, He kind of reverted to a childlike conversation with her. He was like, where were you? Uh, I I could have used you here to help me with Sansa. She thinks she knows everything. Mm -hmm. And when he said that, it was like, wow, they're really talking like they're kids again and they're siblings. And they're like, Sansa thinks she knows everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, Arya, of course, defends Sansa. She says, you know what? Sansa is the smartest person I know. And John's like, surprise, you're defending her. Um, uh, Kind of a cute little conversation. Kind of out of character, I thought. Jon Snow um, has really kind of been through so much. He's become like kind of so like evolved, uh, kind of mature and above the fray. That to see him be like a little bit childish and immature and catty uh, for a minute kind of felt like weird to me. But I kind of I kind of think I'm okay with it because uh, you haven't seen your baby sister in like years so you kind of revert to the way you used to be when you were kids. I, I think it's okay. It was right. a good scene in it was a good reunion. Okay. Um uh one thing that bugged me about it, uh Jon Snow shows Arya his uh Valerian steel sword Longclaw and she and he's like Valerian steel woohoo he's all bragging about it and then she never shows him that she has a Valerian steel dagger for some reason. I I didn't get it. It was weird just because he bragged about it. Like, they, I didn't expect him really to care that much. But the fact that he said, look, I have Valerian steel. And then she was like, oh. And then didn't go, look, I have Valerian steel too. Just felt a little awkward. I don't know why they made that choice there. Mm-hmm. But um, overall, again, uh, I don't mind that scene at all. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, and then from that point, we cut to King's Landing. Uh, and we see Cersei uh, looking out over the ocean, watching Euron Greyjoy's fleet return with the Golden Company on board.
1: Right.
0: The Golden Company are an army of sellswords; they're mercenary fighters. Uh, they come from—I uh, forget the name of the country. It's a—it's a—it's a land that's not shown in the books at all. That we don't go there in, this, in the books or TV show. But—but but they're basically. Um, Former Targaryens who had a little rebellion within the Targaryen family about a century back and they were they were booted out of Westeros, basically.
1: Is, is this the ship that you're talking about where uh, they get ransacked, the guy gets like the the arrow through the eye and all that stuff? Is that yes, the ship yes, yes. That that okay. happens
0: later on. That happens later on, yes. Okay. Um right. that's that's the ship that that's Euron Greyjoy's ship. Ah, uh, the silence, and it arrives uh, with this army. It, it, it went to pick up this army for Cersei mm-hmm. to, to defend to defend King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also has his sister prisoner Yara Greyjoy, uh, which is a which is a major plot point from last season. He captured her, and Theon, one of our main characters, one of our heroes, Theon Greyjoy, is on a mission to rescue Yara from Euron, but we don't know where he is at this point. Right. Anyway, Euron arrives. Uh, he, he brings the Golden Company to Cersei. Uh, and here in King's Landing, I was kind of disappointed in all of this section, honestly. Um, I, I get that Cersei is supposed to be kind of alone. She's kind of lost all of her allies. She's kind of uh, alienated everybody. That's why she's forced to team up with Euron. That's why she's forced to hire the Golden Company. Um but there's just something that feels like weak and sad about Cersei in this episode. Uh, she's too alone. She's too isolated. She's she's not um, like evil and powerful enough, in my opinion. She's she doesn't feel like a threat to me uh, in this episode. She feels I feel kind of sorry for Cersei in this episode, which I feel like is a weird a weird way to be at this point in the story.
1: Sorry. Uh, she's the one that's tied up in the uh, in the ship, right?
0: No, 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 no. That's Yara. Oh, Cersei okay. is the Cersei is the queen. She's the she's got short blonde hair. She wears the black dress with the with the uh, armored shoulder pads. And yeah, so she's the
1: one that was in the throne room, whatever. Yes, yeah, she was. She, she's in the okay. she's in the
0: Iron Throne, right? Right. And 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 you're on Greyjoy. Um, his his entire goal is to marry Cersei so that he can take the Iron Throne for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, his plan to do that was to go and get this army for her to win her affection and he comes back and he's like okay I got you this army now you gotta sleep with me right. and, she's, and she's like no when the war's over and he's like what no way the war could take years I'm not waiting that long yeah. and then she finally is like ah, fine whatever and, <laughs> and she takes it back to her bedroom and sleeps with him yes. and, all, and all of that to me that was it just felt wrong for Cersei and like Cersei does not get pushed around. Cersei does not go. Oh, okay, fine. Cersei does not compromise like that. Cersei is the power player in this. Mm-hmm. Cersei is Cersei is all confidence, all about her own power, and like any questioning of that is 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 not accepted by Cersei, and it's met with strong, uh, usually violent. Um, ends. So why is Cersei acting this way? There could be some mystery going on. She didn't mention in the, in the end of Season 7, she said that she was pregnant. We didn't know if she was telling the truth or not. We don't have any confirmation. She didn't mention that even in this episode at all. So we don't know what's going on there. Is did, Was Cersei really pregnant? Did she lose the baby? Is Cersei still pregnant? Was Cersei never pregnant? Was she lying? We don't know anything. We just know that Cersei is looking really mopey and um, she's it looks like she's hanging out completely alone in king's landing with just kyburn and the mountain uh, her bodyguard and um i don't know it just doesn't it just does not feel like the the villain of this piece which cersei's supposed to be uh so i don't know what's going on there but um also disappointed there were no elephants. And, so, and this was kind of a joke in the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, Go- the Golden Company is famous for having elephants uh, that they used to fight with. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, book fans have always wondered, when we see the Golden Company, will they come with their elephants? And show fans have were wondering, when we see the Golden Company, will they come with their elephants? They've done other things that they could... Uh, similar to this before in the show, they've done woolly mammoths and giants in the north. So, like... We know they could have done elephants, but again, I think this is the exact same thing, situation with Ghost, where, you know what, we got a bunch of dragon scenes in this episode, we're not going to spend the money, or we don't have the time for the CGI department to make elephants too, so we'll drop this little joke in here, Cersei acting like she's disappointed there's no elephants, because the fans are actually disappointed there's no elephants, but and hopefully the fans will forgive us for that, Um you know, I think the fans will forgive for that even though it's kind of a little bit of a disappointment. Hmm. No elephants. Oh, good. <laughs> uh any more thoughts uh, at th- at this point or should I just pl- should I just plow ahead?
1: Yeah, man, just keep going. <laughs> okay.
0: So you're on Bang Cersei, uh he he they have a funny scene kind of funny where he wants her to he wants her to tell him if he's better than her ex-husband or yeah. or if he's better than her brother in bed and she's just like putting up with him, not really enjoying the conversation, not really having it, but it ends with him promising her to, to put a prince in her belly to get her pregnant. And, and, and she just gives a look and we don't know again, is she pregnant already? Uh, is the whole reason she's sleeping with him so that, so that she can tell people that he's the father of her baby instead of having to explain that it's another baby of her brothers. Um, no idea what's going on there, but, uh, hopefully we'll find out soon. Right. Um, From here, we cut to uh, the scene you mentioned, which is on Euron's ship, the Silencer, Mm -hmm. and Theon Greyjoy arrives and quickly, swiftly, easily, without breaking a sweat, rescues Yara Greyjoy from the Silencer. And this, in my opinion, was also a very disappointing scene. Euron Greyjoy is supposed to be the most dangerous character in the friggin' show mm. the the silencer is the most feared ship on the seas. His crew are supposed to be at least pretty tough. Um and the fact that Theon just showed up and basically wiped out the entire crew without a fight. Yeah. Uh and rescued Yara without breaking a sweat. And the fact that Yara was completely unharmed. Like the like Euron Greyjoy is a sadistic, torturous like evil, evil, evil dude. Mm. There is no way in the book, if George R. R. Martin had Yara Greyjoy be captured by Euron Greyjoy, there is no way she would survive that unscathed. She would have her tongue cut out, she would have body parts cut out, she would be so like abused and tortured, exactly the way Theon was by, by Ramsey Bolton that like i mean maybe that's part of why they didn't do it or maybe they just don't have time to do all that they they just got to get to the point where theon rescues her because they got to move theon's plot forward and they don't consider it to be one of the main plots but uh this is another th- situation where as a book fan I'm like oh my god watching theo rescue yara so easily and they they kind of played it for laughs instead of instead of danger mm. um, in, like i was uh, just disappointed in that yeah. Um, and then immediately, like uh, just quick plot exposition, uh, we, we cut to they're, they're on the deck of a ship and Yara's telling Theon, okay, I'm going home to take back the Iron Islands because, um, hint, hint. If the, battle, if the battle at Winterfell goes poorly, Daenerys is going to need somewhere to go retreat to afterwards. So, I mean, clearly they're telegraphing that Daenerys is going to retreat to the Iron Islands uh, after the Battle of Winterfell goes bad with her dragons. Mm-hmm. But, the, but at the same time, Yara tells Theon, I know you want to go to Winterfell instead of coming with me. I know you want to go help Jon Snow fight, so go. What is dead may never die, and they have a hug. And it's like, okay, it's a it's a nice moment, but it is it is such a quick, it is such a brief, like just flying through what would have been probably a couple of chapters in the book of plot to get through all of that. Um it, it felt like uh a really kind of uh Rush. cheap handling cheap yeah. handling of that to me. Okay. Yeah. Um so, uh, those characters, not my favorite, um, the show isn't handling them as well as I would like, um, what are you going to do? Um, and from there we go to another scene, which was, which was, ah, pretty, pretty exciting, pretty cool visually, but, um, uh, again, as a book fan, I have problems with it. So we're back at Winterfell, we're talking about the dragons, we're finding out the dragons aren't eating as much as they should, and we have Danny and John. Um, going out to check on the dragons and, uh, <laughs> they're chatting and Danny jumps up on the back of Drogon and she basically goes, Hey John, just jump on, yeah, just, j- just jump on Rhaegal. Right. Um, and, and they played, they played as kind of a cute, funny scene again to me it kind of feels like how to train your dragon for a little bit um it's, you know he's like
1: funny you should say that cuz that's exactly what i was thinking when i was watching yeah, that, that scene
0: yeah
1: <laughs> it's exactly what i was thinking and
0: and that is my problem with yeah. it okay, okay. Um, because in in like in the books uh, like what
1: do i hold yeah. on to whatever you can
0: <laughs> right 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 yeah. um look in the books george martin establishes very clearly that nobody can ride a dragon except a Targaryen. Right. And we at this point do not know that John's a Targaryen. Nobody even suspects that John's a Targaryen at this point in the show. Daenerys has no idea that the guy she just banged is her nephew. Mm-hmm. That he that he's a Targaryen like her. Daenerys would absolutely know that if John is not a Targaryen, he cannot ride that dragon. And that if he tries, he's a dead man. Okay? Mm-hmm. Daenerys would absolutely try to stop Jon from trying to ride that dragon. She wouldn't just be like, haha, it's funny, go ahead, try, but if he kills you, uh, I'll miss you. Uh, right. Like, she would be like, no, you can't, nobody can, but, but Targaryens. Right. Um, And then when he actually does ride the dragon, that should have been the moment where Daenerys was like, oh my god, you must be a Targaryen and we don't know it yet. It should have been this huge revelatory moment. But it wasn't. It was just a silly scene of, oh, is John going to be able to hold on this wild dragon ride? Mm. And... You know what? I uh, this is a problem. This is like where being a book fan can be difficult uh, for being a show fan because I should have just I should have just enjoyed this scene, right? It was a pretty cool scene visually, seeing the dragons fly over Winterfell, seeing them fly over the North, seeing them fly through the canyons, seeing them, you know, Jon Daenerys riding on the back. Beautiful scene. I should have just been sitting there, like like taking it all in, listening to the score, enjoying it. But the whole time I'm just thinking, no, it's wrong. You're not doing it right. Right. Um, so, so that can be frustrating as a Game of Thrones book fan, um, and um, I don't know. Like, it's hard for me to say that this was a good scene, even though it. I mean, you if you watch it without all this context I'm providing, uh, yeah, sure, it's a great scene. But um, uh, as a book fan, I'm like, God, uh, no, I'm sorry, I uh, that that was a miss for me. Right. <laughs> um, okay uh so as a, uh, as but a the,
1: non-book fan and non-show yeah, yeah. fan yeah i actually didn't mind this scene <laughs> okay. so so yeah um as an as an outsider to the to the source material and obviously the show um i actually didn't mind that scene at all so i obviously fair enough you yeah. see
0: there you go see that's the point right yeah. like th- this 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 would be what benioff and weiss would say to me they'd be like look, there's a lot more people like Kevin than there are like you. And we, you know, yeah. we, we appreciate people like you, but we have to get as many Kevins as we can. Yeah, <laughs> um, And, and that, and that's fine. You know, that's the reason we have, I guess this show that I love so much
1: Yeah,
0: uh, in the form that we do. Um, okay. So anyway, uh, after, uh, okay. Another part about this dragon ride scene is, um, they go off to this waterfall, like uh, like it's I guess it's way up way up north somewhere. It's a really isolated place. Mm-hmm. And um, there's some reference to the fact that um, it was a place where I think John uh, or Ned Stark used to take the, the kids hunting when they were when they were little or something. Right. But uh, the dialogue here really jumped out at this. Really jumped out at me. I was like, okay, this dialogue wouldn't be here unless it's here for an important reason mm-hmm. because it just it just stuck out. A little bit as a little bit weird um like john and daenerys have like a really romantic moment at this waterfall and daenerys has the line we could stay here for a thousand years and no one would find us
1: yeah
0: and and john makes a goofy little face and goes we'd be really old um this means something Uh, it's, it's got something to do with the night King. It's got something to do with the thousand year cycle because it has been a thousand years since the last long night. It's been a thousand years since the last time the night King invaded Westeros with the army of the dead. Hmm. So for a thousand years, the night King has been hiding north of the wall where nobody could find him. Right. And now he's really old. Like John's saying, Mm -hmm. So a lot of people think that the end game of the whole battle is not going to involve John killing the Night King, but is going to involve John having to replace the Night King. Okay. Like some, like some people think the reason the Night King is advancing is that this is a thousand year cycle, his life is ending, and he needs to ha- he needs to appoint a new leader to lead his people back north. To lead the dead, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, the de- like the dead are just like another race in Westeros, and they need a king. And and we don't know that this is for sure why the Night King is here, but this is a very popular theory. So, I think that this line is a hint we could stay here for a thousand years and no one would find us. We'd be really old. Uh, it, it just, it, it, it can't be there for no reason. And I, I think we're gonna, I think this is a hint that we're gonna we're gonna get some kind of ending related to this uh, thousand-year life cycle of of the Night King or the events of of the invasion, anyway. Okay. So I just wanted to I just wanted to mention that for later on if it comes back because I believe it's going to. Uh, So after all that, uh, we get back to stuff, uh, more stuff. This is stuff that you were mentioning earlier. Um, So we're back in Winterfell, and we're we're in the forges, and we're seeing uh, Gendry is down in the forges of Winterfell, and he's making weapons with dragon glass. So we see he's made a big new battle axe for the Hound, which looks awesome. It's got a giant uh, dragon glass blade. Dragon glass is just black shiny stone. Okay. So the hound uh, now has this big battle axe. We know we're going to see him use it to kill a lot of a, a lot of uh, the dead with. Um, but in this same scene, um, uh, you know, Gendry and the hound are having a little chat about the axe, and then Arya arrives, uh, <laughs> and uh, it's a it's a it's a cute little tense moment. Um, Arya and the Hound have not seen each other for a few years since Arya left the Hound for dead and robbed him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we don't know how they're going to react to each other. Arya and Gendry haven't seen each other in a few years since they were taken captive by, by, uh, Beric and, and the Brothers Without Banners. And since Gendry was sold, basically given to who, uh, Stannis Baratheon to be sacrificed, um, for his king's blood by by the uh, by the red woman, um, so uh, all these characters never expected to see each other again. Uh, w- when they come together, it's a fun little thing because uh, Arya and Gendry kind of have a little bit of a romantic connection. Uh, the Hound wants, to, wants doesn't want to be in the room with that. <laughs> um, uh, so Arya tells the Hound off. Basically, uh, the Hound and Arya kind of stare each other down for a second. They have a little bit of a tough guy exchange with each other uh, and they kind of, and they break off. Again, that's basically, that's basically the show's version of a happy reunion for those two, because those two characters, they're not touchy feely, lovey characters. They're both, they know each other as warriors. They know each other as badasses. They talk to each other as badasses. Mm. That's how they see each other. Um, So I, I like that reunion. And then Arya and Gendry, um, they immediately fall back into their old banter. He calls her milady. She says, "Don't call me that." Um, he's like, "I thought you were like any other rich girl." He says, "You don't." Know. She says, "You don't know any other rich girls besides me." It's it's uh it's exactly the kind of dialogue they used to have, and and we're happy to see them back together and uh, a little bit flirty with each other. But then there is this important moment that you mentioned earlier, Where's where Arya Arya asks Gendry if if he will make her this weapon, right? And so what were your thoughts about that when you saw that?
1: Um, <laughs> okay. So, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I really, again, I was lost <laughs> in the, in the episode. So, um, her asking him to make a weapon, I'm assuming that's something that may have been in the past. Like, did she, did he make a weapon for her in the past or something like that?
0: Um, no, no, no. But he is um he is the blacksmith, right? So he's just anybody who needs a weapon, they're gonna go to him. He's the blacksmith character in yeah. the show, right? Okay. Basically. So I kind of uh, took
1: it but, at, at face value. Um, right. she asked him to make him a we- her weapon. So to me, okay. to me, that's just you know, what I mean, like it, okay. it didn't really have significance because I don't really know. Right the history of
0: so you understand the reason he's making these special weapons is because they have this dragon glass and dragon glass is a substance that can kill the dead if they stab like if you stab the dead with a normal knife doesn't kill doesn't hurt hurt. okay but if you stab if you stab them with dragon glass they'll die die.
1: okay see that's something i didn't know
0: okay so yeah in in season seven um um daenerys uh has a castle with a big dragon glass mine under it uh so in season seven they mine a bunch of dragon glass and they take it back to winterfell to make all these weapons to prepare to fight the army of the dead with it right so now gendry like any character who has a special weapon gendry's like making them a dragon glass version right so okay. he make he makes the hound a dragon glass battle axe right because the hound fights with a battle axe um so then, so then, Arya comes with this. Can you make me this weapon? And we don't know what this weapon is. Uh, Arya is already armed to the teeth. She has Needle, which we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Her sword that her sword that Jon Snow gave her in the, in the in the first episode. She has Cat's Paw, the Valyrian steel dagger, uh, which Valyrian steel also kills the dead. Okay. Um. So so she was already equipped to fight the dead. We're like, why does she need another? Um, this is interesting. This weapon looks, from the picture, if you blow it up, it's a, it looks like a spear that detaches into two or three pieces. So people are people are debating like what the point of this could be. The tip of it is dragon glass, so it's definitely meant to kill uh, something that's dead. Uh, people think it may be to kill the undead dragon that's coming, uh, because the Night King in season seven. Stole one of Daenerys's three dragons and and turned it into a zombie dragon. Right. So the Night King is now flying like an evil ice dragon, and um, you know, uh, there's been no discussion of how we're going to take that dragon out. And it looks like Arya may be the only one making a plan for that. Mm. She's making. It looks like she's making a dragon glass spear that can be thrown or launched. At the Night King's dragon. That that that's that, that's my guess anyway. Right. But I I wanted to point out again here, and this is I need a theory alert alarm. I'm going into theory now. Um,
1: I don't,
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> theory I don't, alert! I don't, theory I don't, <laughs> alert! Um, I can give you a.
1: Shazam! <laughs>
0: <laughs> That'll work for now. Um, <laughs> Um, so basically, earlier when I, when I was talking about that line about about the being a thousand years and that, how that how that being like a reference to the end game, yeah. I think I think what we have here is another reference to the end game because there is a shot from one of the t- teaser trailers of Arya holding a dragon glass spear. Okay, yeah. so this is from one of the later episodes. So this is. This is obviously a shot of her with the weapon after Gendry's already made it for her, right? Okay. But it's, it's only one shot, and you only see the tip of the spear, but the tip of the spear, this dragon glass uh, spear tip, looks exactly like another shard of dragon glass that we've seen in flashbacks to when the children of the forest created the night King. Hmm. The night king was created a thousand years ago by having a shard of dragon glass. The exact same shape and size as Arya's spear tip shoved through his heart.
1: Okay.
0: So the Night King has a shard of dragon glass exactly that size and shape shoved through his heart. And that's what made him the Night King. That's what gave him all of his magic and power and, and basically created him. And now Arya has made herself a spear with that exact same kind of shard, and I've already said to you that my theory is going to be that Jon Snow has to take the Night King's place because the Thousand Year Cycle has ended. So my, my theory now, my, my, my crazy Jar prediction now, <laughs> I, which I wish we had a sound effect for crazy Jar predictions, we're <laughs> going to get one of those, is
1: yeah.
0: that Arya will have to shove that spear in Jon Snow's heart. Right. At, at, the, at the end of this, to de- to either defeat the Night King, uh, or to replace the Night King, and for Jon Snow to become the new light- Night King and lead the Army of the Dead back north for another thousand years, um, to to save you know the living from them, right? Basically. But that's some wild shit that I just jumped off to now about Arya Spear, but that- but that's why that's why Arya Spear is so important to me. I think we're we're at least going to see her use it to try to fight the dragons, but I think we're going to see a separate other purpose for it which will be to shove it through Jon snow's heart all right uh, uh, but we'll just see i hope we get to see that that would be exciting but uh, we will have to wait and see for that all right. um so after uh, i mean i mean gendry tells Arya, yeah i can make this spear for you no problem she's like cool and that's basically the end of that interaction um we hear news that um some of the northern lords are not not coming to join in the fight the glovers uh sent word they're not coming now uh sorry john but we were following you the king of the north we don't want to follow daenerys i guess so we'll just hang out here good luck fighting the dead uh, i i think that means the glovers are all going to get wiped out in their homes um but uh we shall see there um uh from here we go to a scene uh a, 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 a troubling scene A a difficult scene, a touching scene. Jorah Mormont brings Daenerys to meet Samwell Tarly. Uh, Samwell Tarly saved Jorah Mormont's life last season. Daenerys is very grateful for that. Uh, But also last season, Daenerys executed Samwell Tarly's father and brother. Uh, So uh, Sam doesn't know that yet. Um, Daenerys meets him. They have a really, really nice uh, meeting where Sam says to Daenerys, you know, the only thing you could really do for me um, to show your gratitude would be to pardon me for the couple of crimes I've committed along the way here. I stole some books from the Citadel. I stole a sword from my father. And she's like, oh, your father. Oh, by the way, about him. So then she tells Sam, and um, we get... The most touching performance from Samuel Tarley, the actor whose name I forget right now, and that's awful, so I'm looking it up quickly because I feel bad. John Bradley, hmm. uh, his reaction in this moment Samuel Tarley learning the news of his father and brother's execution from Daenerys Targaryen, who is his new queen, who he just kind of expressed his fealty for and his respect and admiration for this moment is such a loaded moment Mm -hmm. and and he plays it so masterfully because the heartbreak on his face is clearly visible and he and his tears are so sincere and heartfelt and gut-wrenching but his also inability to kind of break with his formality in the moment of addressing his queen Mm -hmm. and and him just like politely asking uh could you please excuse me so i can go break down now such a great great moment for me and and john bradley really deserves so much respect for for basically the whole series he's done such a great job playing sam sam really is the most human character in this whole thing for me um I guess, I mean, maybe a, a close second would be Hodor, or maybe maybe first place uh, would be Hodor when he was still around. But, um, like, I just can't say enough about, about John Bradley and his performance of Sam, even though, narratively, I don't really like where this is going story-wise, mm-hmm. uh, where this goes exactly next, honestly. Um, because from there, Sam goes... You know he's out in the courtyard. You know, trying to get some air, I guess, and he bumps into Bran Stark. Bran Stark is like, "Yeah, I'm I'm just out here waiting for an old friend." We actually saw Bran sitting in the courtyard a couple times earlier, and there was really no kind of explanation of it. So this is the first time we're like, "Why are you sitting here, man? It's getting dark, and we've, you've been sitting here a long time." Mm-hmm. And he just says, "I've been waiting for an old friend." No explanation there, but but then Bran tells Sam, "It's time to tell John the truth about his parents." Uh, you should go tell him right now, and and Sam's like, well, wh- why me? Why not you? You're his brother, and 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 Brand's like, no, I'm not his brother. That's the point. And he trusts you more than me. You you know him better than I do. You spent more time with him, so it has to be you. Mm-hmm. Um. So here we go. Another big moment that book readers and show fans have been waiting for, and imagining how is this going to go for years and years and years. We can't believe this is going to happen, and um. And we get an interesting scene. It's another. It's another scene that is acted. is performed really fantastically by by both John Bradley and by um, and by Kit Harington, Jon Snow. Um, I, I mean, w- when Jon Snow, you know, hears this from Samwell, uh, who his real mother and father is, he's he, uh, the the face acting he he pulls off is 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 brilliant. You, you see on his face. You see him like register for a moment oh my god that sounds right I kind of always knew like suspected or knew where this feels like right to me mm-hmm. but then you but then you immediately see where his brain goes oh my god that means Ned Stark lied to me there's no way Ned Stark would have lied to me Ned Stark was the most honest honorable man in the world this can't be true so then he gets his back up and he gets it looks like he's gonna get mad at Sam right mm. You know, Sam, Sam explains to him, no, look, your father, like Ned Stark promised your mother, Liana, that he would protect you. He knew that Robert would murder you if he knew that you were alive and you were the real heir to the Iron Throne. Because really, this secret is so huge, right? Like the whole series wouldn't have happened the way it did if if everybody knew that Jon Snow was the true heir to the Iron Throne, right? Like all of this battling for the Iron Throne was only because there was no true heir. Okay. right like if if there was a true heir like there would have been enough people who just said okay put john snow on the throne he's the king and then this whole thing wouldn't have happened right. basically all the starks would still be alive you know who knows but um so this this secret that john snow is the true heir to the targaryens is like the biggest thing that could the biggest piece of information that could possibly be to all of these characters in the show um so, like, really a huge deal, this scene. And um, I kind of don't like where it immediately went. Because instead of, instead of going on about, oh, oh, my God, I'm in love with my aunt. Um, she doesn't know. Um, instead of, you know, all of this wouldn't have happened if, if everybody knew who I was. They immediately, they, immediately start, they immediately start worrying about the Iron Throne. It's like, okay. oh my god, you're supposed to be the King John. Like, Sam's like, Daenerys isn't supposed to be our Queen John. You're supposed to be the King John. You'd be a better king than Daenerys John. And it, it immediately turns into, like, trying to turn John and Daenerys against each other for the Iron Throne. Okay. Which, honestly, like, I, I understand why Sam's upset with Daenerys. I understand why he thinks John would be a better king. But at this point in the story, when the Night King's army is about to beat down your door and you're all about to be wiped out, I don't buy that anybody would care about the goddamn Iron Throne in this moment. And, um, it kind of bugs me a little bit that that's immediately where the conversation and the dialogue went. Um, that aside though, uh, Kit Harrington, fantastic job. John Bradley, fantastic job. um, these characters, uh, these actors, just really do such a great job of 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 selling us that that they that they really are these people in this moment right. with these things. Um, okay, so I just kind of went off on a meander there. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> this, is your, uh, so, this is your thing,
1: man. This is what you're passionate yeah, about. Yeah. So yeah, it was, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, anyway, uh, Sam breaks it to John. Um, they yeah they talk about. The silly, silly—I don't know. I feel like Sam being pit against Daenerys is kind of a forced plot device. I was I, I, I felt it was weird in season seven when Daenerys executed Sam's parent or Sam's dad and brother in the first place. Um, I felt like that scene was kind of forced, and now I feel like these consequences of that scene feel kind of forced as well. But um, you know, not the end of the world. I, I can live with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for, so we're, we're nearing the end of the episode. Now, from there, we jump to the last hearth, uh, which, we, which we mentioned earlier because um, uh, the little Lord Elmer was sent there to to retrieve his people from there before the army of the dead arrived and wiped them all out. Right. So so here we have a scene of some characters who we haven't seen yet this episode, uh, characters from, from season seven who we're now catching up with for the first time. We see Tormund, uh Giant Spain, Beric Dondarrion, and their party – uh, they show up here at at uh, the Last Hearth, and they're exploring, and they bump into Dolores Ed, who is, who is the acting Lord's Commander of the Night's Watch, and a bunch of the brothers of the Night's Watch. Um, they kind of conveniently just meet up with each other here, and they find the dead have already been here. Everybody is already wiped out, and they find the Night King left them an interesting little art installation, uh, on the wall uh, of the last hearth, um, which is of course uh, the dead body of little Lord Umber, who is basically crucified on the wall in the middle of this giant spiral symbol. Yeah. With that
1: like limbs and shit. I thought yeah. that was uh, kind of a cool, cool image. Um, sorry, who was the little kid?
0: The little kid was little Lord Umber. So he was the, he was the Lord of that castle, that stronghold. um, And he was basically in charge of the whole place, basically. So he would be like the Jon Snow of the Last Hearth, right? Like Jon Snow would be the Lord of Winterfell. He's the Lord of the Last Hearth.
1: Okay. Yeah, I had no idea who he was. So I just... and,
0: and and that symbol we have seen before. That symbol was in the very first episode, so it's another callback to the to the premiere episode, which this episode does many many times. Um, the uh, the the dead when they're when they're leaving a message, they leave body parts uh, displayed in this symbol. Uh, it's basically a symbol of the children of the forest. It's uh, we see it. On the ground of the God's Eye, which was the home of the Children of the Forest, which is a location they haven't really shown us in the show very much, except in flashbacks. But um, it's basically where all of the God'swood trees. It's the center of the God'swood trees network. Hmm. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of God'swood trees on the on the island. It's also where the Children of the Forest created the Night King. Um, so um, people think that the reason the night King keeps leaving the children of the forest symbol behind is because he's letting everyone know that he's coming to pay them back. Mm. But, but we don't know. We don't know the true meaning of that symbol yet. And we hope that it'll be revealed eventually. But this scene, uh, really horror, really horrific. This is the horror scene of the episode. It's supposed to be the scare. It is pretty scary. Um, while they're standing there looking at poor little Lord Umber impaled on the wall, he suddenly comes to life and starts screaming this horrible death uh, scream. Yeah. Uh, and Beric Dondarrion uh, takes his flaming sword and and impales him with it. And then and then we have uh, little Lord Umber, demon, burning to death and screaming. Yeah. Uh, and it's a it's a shocking, horrible little little moment. Uh, that is foreshadowing the horrors to come when uh, when the dead reach Winterfell. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what we get after this is uh, these characters are like, they establish the fact that the dead are on their way to Winterfell and they're going to try to race them there to warn everybody at Winterfell try to get there first. Right. Um, and uh, from there we cut to the very final scene, which once again, is a complete parallel, a complete callback to the final scene of Season 1, Episode 1. The final scene of Season 1, Episode 1, was uh, Jamie Lannister and Bran Stark. Bran Stark has climbed the window and he interrupts Jamie and Cersei having sex in the tower. Hmm. And Jamie Lannister pushes Bran out the window, crippling him for life and basically setting... Uh, the events of Bran's entire storyline in motion.
1: Right.
0: Bran and Jamie have not seen each other since that moment, season one, episode one, when Jamie pushed Bran out a window and crippled him for life. Oh,
1: so, okay. That makes sense. Okay.
0: So, this final moment. I do moment,
1: remember that scene. <laughs> I actually do remember good, that scene. Good. Yeah. Good.
0: good. It's a, it's a, it, is, it is a memorable one. Yeah. Um, so, in this final moment, Jamie Lannister arrives at Winterfell. He's ridden north from King's Landing to come and help fight the dead. But he but he knows that everyone at Winterfell has a reason to want to kill him mm-hmm. for all for everything he's done in the past. So this is a really big heavy moment. We don't know what's gonna happen here. And but it becomes apparent in this moment that now we know who the old friend that Bran was waiting for was because Bran is standing there still waiting when Jamie arrives and the episode ends with Jamie seeing Bran there, and the two of them locking eyes in a a stare-down, basically. And the episode ends with that stare-down. And uh, that's super cool. Uh, Again, this is a moment that fans have been waiting for for years and years. Since that first episode of the show, since that first uh, installment of the book, uh, like Jamie and Bran what's going to happen when they when they meet each other again. Um, so uh, that's where the episode ends. And it seems to me like that's probably going to be what most of episode two is going to be. Hmm. Looks like they're going to be holding some kind of trial for Jamie Lannister. Um, concerns me a little bit because it feels like it's going to be another kind of slow episode. But, I mean, that could be just me. Honestly, Kev... Uh, if you said to me in in season eight, episode one, you're going to get all these things happening. You're going to get uh, you're going to get John and Arya finally reunited. Mm. You're going to get you're going to get John finally finding out who his real parents are. You're going to get John riding a dragon for the first time. We didn't even know if he ever would. We just assumed that he would eventually, and we and we couldn't wait to see if that ever happened. That happened in this episode, right? Uh, like, uh, like all the other reunions, uh, like Arya and Gendry, Arya and the Hound, like all of this stuff is stuff that I have been waiting for years and years and years. And if you told me one of these things happened in this episode, I'd be like, "Oh, I can't wait to see that." <laughs> but, but, but if you told me that this that this list of things happened in one episode. I would be like, holy crap, that's going to be the greatest episode of Game of Thrones ever made. Right. And, and Kevin, that is the episode that I watched this week. And here I am, ready to tell you, that for me, this episode was a 7 out of 10.
1: And it's funny, because I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> uh, and again, this is this is coming from someone who, uh, who obviously doesn't follow the show. But... Um it wasn't very, for me, it wasn't very intriguing because, now when I say intriguing, because there was a lot of, uh, um, you know, development that I didn't know what was going on, obviously, right? So, in my head, I'm, I was thinking pretty much the same thing. It was probably like a seven out of ten.
0: So. Okay. Um, question. Mm-hmm. Did you, if you had never heard of the show before, if you were coming to this new, if you had just, if I had just said, hey, hey, Kev, check out the show. I think you might like it. Well, uh, how, how, you, how how would you feel after watching that episode?
1: That episode? Yeah. Again, like around seven and the only reason and okay. So I did watch, like I said, the first season. So mm-hmm. there was, there are, there's obviously characters that I do recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously there was, there was like some, some, um, some dialogue that I didn't get. Uh, for example, when you told me the whole thing about them being castrated, um, right. I just thought that was just a joke about not having balls as in, like, you're you're not brave. You're not, you're less of right. a man. I didn't know right. he figuratively meant he had no balls. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? So, like, there's right. stuff that, that fell flat with me, obviously. Right. Uh, I still laughed at that line.
0: Right? Okay. I guess. I guess my question is, would you want to watch episode two? If, if you hadn't already made a deal with me that you were going to watch this whole season and I just said, here, check this out, you might like it, w- would you be like, oh, I got I to gotta see what happens next?
1: Um, honestly, probably not. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, probably not. And I, I'm pretty sure it's only because uh, I haven't been following it. If I've been following it, uh, of course, I'm going to want to see what's next. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a prime example. Um, the Walking Dead. Like, to be honest, there was some really shitty seasons. Yep. But because I was so invested in the show for, like, you know, five years, whatever it was, when those seasons sucked, I kept watching it. And I kept going back to it. Right. You know what I mean? Only because I was like, well, fuck, I've been watching this since day one. I might as well keep watching it. Right. <laughs> you know the, what I mean?
0: The, yeah. And that's interesting to me because that's kind of – I think you're kind of touching on what I'm kind of thinking in my head. It's like What I'm wondering to myself here is, like – like, like i'm watching this and i'm thinking oh i love this i love this i love this but then i'm thinking oh i don't like that i don't like that i don't like that yeah. and it feels like there's a lot of compromise going on here and I, i'm asking myself how much of my enjoyment of this show now is based on my investment in the show previously and how much of it is based on this is a great great show right, right? so i mean I, I i'm kind of i'm kind of torn honestly i, I feel like uh, a lot of people think that that they, that the quality of this show has gone down since they passed the books and since they started just writing it as a television show, you know, without the resource material to kind of be adapting from.
1: I'll say yeah. this. Visually it's stunning. Yeah. It's a yeah. very it's a very nice looking I'll tell you this, the, the special effects were better in this than in Hellboy.
0: Right. <laughs> right. And so and- <laughs> sure, and and to me, it's probably the greatest that's ever been on television, as far as visual effects go yeah. and sound go, as far as filmmaking go. I think it's it's absolutely the peak uh, of of what's been done on television, yeah. and and it's 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 laid down the gauntlet for future shows like The Mandalorian, like for the instance, Mandalorian, exactly, uh, like other shows that we expect that that have to be cinematic have to be legitimately cinematic now. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't, you can't you can't cut corners anymore if you want to do like premium television in 2019 and and, and that is based on the accomplishments of Game of Thrones yeah. um, which which is why again which is why I go back to my disappointment when when they kind of have to cut corners like not have the direwolves in there or not have the elephants in there I'm kind of like man this show is the pinnacle I want you to keep I want you to keep like, by pushing the envelope I want you to keep Keep raising the bar. Yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't want to keep hitting your your um your limitations, right? I want you to have no limitations. But, but you know, I can't ask too much, I guess. But, um, you know, I'm still a fan of the show. I'm still a big fan of the show. I'm still looking forward to to the rest of this season, and um, uh, and I, and I hope that you're going to enjoy <laughs> going through it with me too. Yeah, um, like I said, uh, for,
1: um, yeah, I'll, I'll continue watching it for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, uh, I think I'd be more invested if I did actually continue watching it from, from the time that I started, you know yeah. what I mean? But yeah, yeah. it is yeah. what it is. Uh, yeah. who knows? Maybe I'll watch this season. And I'll be like, you know what? Fuck. Now I want to watch the rest of it. You know what I mean? Like who knows?
0: Right. Right. Or what yeah. I'm more curious about, what I'm more curious about is, um, it's going to be the next Game of Thrones, se- uh, TV series, which, which will debut
1: spin offs, right?
0: Yeah. So yeah. Next, next year uh, probably around the same time in April, we will see the debut of the first game of Thrones prequel series, which, which, uh, takes place way back in the past, but, um, it's going to be an entirely new thing. It's not going to be based on on book adaptations. Mm. Um, so I'm not going to have all of my, Oh my God, that's not like the books problems with it. Right. Right. Um, and so we'll see at that point uh, we'll both be coming to it fresh, and um, we'll see if we like it and if we want to hang with it uh, right. the, the way we have with this the way we will with this TV series but, um, yeah, and um, going forward uh, we're gonna be doing I'm gonna be doing weekly reviews with you <laughs> um, yeah. for, for every episode uh, for the rest of the season, and I'm gonna try to have a couple guests on with us too uh, some other Game of Thrones fans who can give me another another point of view yeah. Course. Um and because you know I'm not right about everything. All of my opinions are just opinions. And I yeah. and I hope that anybody who disagrees with me understands that um I don't think that you're wrong and I'm right. I understand that my opinion is just my opinion.
1: TV, film, everything is subjective. So um, right. everyone's entitled to opinion. <laughs> so yeah.
0: But um yeah, I mean Uh, I want to say this episode was good, uh, but just good enough. Uh, I I, I think if I had any more little problems with it, it it might have tipped the scales into bad territory for me. I'm sure Um, it's
1: just setting the tone for the rest of the season, right?
0: Yep. Yeah, and, and hopefully hopefully things are going to pick up. I, 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 I My thoughts for for episode two, like I've already said, is that it's going to be another episode v- that feels much like this in, in terms of plotting. I think we're going to get a lot of Jamie Lannister's... Because Jamie Lannister has problems with a lot of people in Winterfell, and they have different problems really? uh, w- with stuff that he's done over the past. So there's going to be a lot going on there. And then episode two is going to end with the army of the dead arriving at Winterfell. And then episode three is where the shit really hits the fan. Right. Episode three is going to be the first extended length episode. And apparently the entire thing from start to finish is just the battle. Okay. Like just battle, battle, battle for the entire 80 minutes. All right. So, that's something uh, to look forward to. <laughs> really that, that feels like the WrestleMania of this, uh, this, this season. There you um, go. That's what we're looking forward to mainly right now. Right. Um, but Very uh good. I think I think that's all That's about all I have to say about uh season 8 episode 1. We both rated it a 7 out of 10. Yeah. We both we both like it, uh but, uh but I think we're both hoping for a little more uh to get a little more excited uh, by episode 2 and I fully expect to. There
1: we go. So just one <laughs> last question for you. That's the end?
0: Oh, <laughs> Janet, Janet, Janet. <laughs> for this for tonight. Yes, that's the end. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Alright, so, uh, yeah, on that
0: note. Seven Hells, Kevin, Seven Hells.
1: <laughs> What's that?
0: Seven Hells it's Seven. my Game of Thrones. That's how you swear at Game of Thrones.
1: <laughs> oh, you want me to play the Game of Thrones soundtrack? Is that what you're saying?
0: If you want, if you want.
1: <laughs>
0: Alright. <laughs> Is that more like it that, that, that that's that's a better sign off so everybody please check us out on facebook it's facebook.com forward slash tool for this podcast on twitter it's twitter.com forward slash tool for this pod it's spelled with a two and a four the way 90s rappers would do it thank you for listening uh please tell your friends if you enjoy our show uh like us rate us subscribe uh love us come back next week for more game of thrones
1: more game of thrones and we're hoping to do a little bit more uh talk about the mandalorian hopefully sometime soon that's as well. true
0: we're gonna we're gonna get more star wars content going we're gonna assemble the og ot round table very soon
1: yeah
0: and, and talk about star wars from an old guy perspective and uh all of that coming up very soon but uh for but for now <laughs> that's the end of episode eight
1: my name's kevin evans
0: and i'm jeremy dove on nerd and up nerd
1: Until next time, good day. Take care.